Hello, and welcome to And Breathe, the podcast to help you understand more about the power of your breath. Each week, you'll hear experts and inspirational people from all walks of life share the stories and experiences that have changed their lives for the better. Throughout the podcast, we will be sharing tips on how our breath can help us through challenging times and how it's more than just an inhale and an exhale. Before we go any further, let's check in with our breath. Instead of worrying what has been, what is yet to come, ground yourself in the present moment and appreciate what is right here, right now. Take three deep breaths and notice how you feel in your body and your mind. If you're not feeling okay today, please give yourself a break. Sometimes it's okay to not be okay. Sometimes if all we do is to connect to our breath, that is enough. Now notice your thoughts and rather than judge them, just be. Try not to entertain them and let them float by and stay focused on your breath. The inhale and the exhale and just being rather than doing. Breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in and expand your belly as you inhale. Contract as you exhale. Using gentle, rhythmic, diaphragmatic breaths, slowing everything down. As you breathe in and out, you're coming more into your body and sending messages via the nervous system to come into a calm, relaxed state. So now we're fully present, let's begin. And today we'll be meeting a very special guest. It's safe to say that this man is a musical genius. Not only is he a classically trained pianist and cellist, but he's worked alongside some of the biggest names in music. Coldplay, Prince, Snoop Dogg, the list goes on. Over the past decades, this man has kept millions of people in 49 countries awake to the early hours. But now his mission is to get people to sleep and to help people find calm through the power of music and sound. We all want to improve our sleep. And in this supporting episode, we will be guiding you through with some tips and an exercise to help improve the transition into the land of Nod. A good way to look at sleep is to look at what would happen if we didn't sleep. Lack of sleep has serious effects on our brain's ability to function. If you've ever pulled an all-nighter or been burning the candle at both ends, you'll be only too familiar with the side effects. Grumpiness, irritability, foggy mind, forgetfulness, concentration becomes shorter and attention span becomes increasingly difficult. The part of our brain that controls language, memory and logistics can actually shut down and we're no longer able to think clearly. In the way that we change our breathing patterns to help manage our mental and emotional well-being, we will also be finding out about the science of how changing the rhythm and patterns in sound can have a similar effect. Before we go any further, I wanted to say a massive thank you to the sponsors of this podcast, Three Spirit. Three Spirit is a plant-based, non-alcoholic alternative designed to support and nurture your body. Their bestseller Nightcap, which is also a favourite of mine, uses lemon balm, valerium and hops that work in synergy to induce a mellow state. It's a perfect drink to help unwind before bed for a calm, dreamy feeling and a rich, warm taste. Three Spirit are giving all our listeners 15% discount. Simply use Breathing Tree for your code at the checkout. 
Now let's begin. Okay, so I'm really excited to uh, welcome my wonderful guest, Tom Middleton, who is presently at this time based in Italy. And uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. It's just so wonderful to have you here. And it's been a long time since you and I last chatted. I think it was, I don't know, maybe like five years ago or four years ago. And, and life has definitely changed a lot since, hasn't it? Hasn't it just? And what a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I mean, Tom, you've undergone quite a transformation in your career, really from raising roofs in clubs and keeping people awake, dancing all night and, um, you know, using your music really as a vehicle to help people to connect and um, to raise their vibrations and to really helped to you know in that way that music can uplift and change emotions but but now you're you're working I know that there's many projects that you're working on so we'll we're going to cover them but but specifically when when we last spoke you'd you'd released your album which was um all around sleep soundscapes and uh and using the power of music and sound to help to calm the nervous system and send people to sleep so uh at that time i remember that you were telling me that you're a, a psychoacoustic researcher and sleep science coach and i know that you've now done some uh more mental health training as well um but also can you just explain to me what 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 that is a psychoacoustic researcher and sleep <laughs> science coach absolutely well rewinding i've kind of come from a background mm. in in classical and electronic music i've toured the world performed to millions and i've sort of observed empirically how music affects people impacts people watching as i play music how it's uplifting spirits how it's um literally allowing people in a kind of cathartic way to process um, feelings and emotions. You know, it's, it's like trauma in a sense, trauma processing. Um, music was, was being used for things like um, counselling sessions, people using it um, just to help themselves relax, sleep, people using it to give birth to. And so I noticed that the music that I was making intuitively had this other function and, and utility. People were using it for, for health benefits, emotional physiological um, and mental health benefits and so in the background yes i've been touring around and, and i've, I've uh, played some incredible festivals and events and clubs but i've always been curious as to why and how music impacts us so profoundly you know we're vibratory organisms we are resonating mm -hmm. and the reason we respond so positively to music is when it works harmoniously we feel it we vibrate harming sympathetically in response to that. So long story short, I've, I've toured the world. Um, through that, I got really, really sick with um, uh, sort of sleep deprivation. And this sort of insomnia and jet lag uh, induced um, corruption of, of my mental, physical, emotional state made me rethink it's time to recalibrate. It's time to press pause on all this relentless touring. I mean, it was really, really fun. I, you know, I have no complaints. I've seen some amazing things and played in some amazing spaces and, and, and seen you know, 53 countries. But it's so demanding on your, your mind, body and soul. And, and I felt that it was important to just take a moment, 
breathe, which is what we're here to talk about as well. And just to reassess, you know, what are the priorities in life? Well, I want to be more present. I want to be a better uh, partner, better father, um, better producer. I want to add value. I want to be a better iteration of me to be able to add more value. And the trajectory I was heading in was definitely not working out. It was really, really challenging. So I got hired as a sound architect um, for a hospitality brand. And this got me thinking about guest or customer journeys and the fact that as we were sort of touring around, we would invariably have these problems. You know, it didn't matter if it was one of the best hotels on planet Earth, you know, five-star luxurious space. You could have the worst night's sleep in these spaces because of this thing called first night effect, where you're Mm -hmm. still in this state of um, alert and being vigilant just in case there's a threat to your safety. So it doesn't matter where you are on planet Earth, that first night, there's always going to be a proportion of us that are still slightly awake. So I guess I'm just one of those people that was um, uh, always uh, on high alert. (laughs) And so that never helped with the touring and traveling. So it got me thinking about how I can use sound and music um, in the context of hotel rooms to help guests sleep better and obviously help myself sleep better and my friends and family and help others. Um, I trained as a sleep science coach, inspired by um, Ariana Huffington and um, Professor uh, Matthew Walker reading their books. It became abundantly clear that sleep is the foundational pillar of mental, physical and emotional wellness, health and well-being. If you get your sleep right, everything else tends to work out naturally because we are creatures of habit. We're quite predictable in that regard. If we get our sleep right, if we can guarantee that we can sort of get those seven to nine hours, depending on your personal need, it will probably work out because the body's magic. It does this wonderful thing of reset and recovery if you give it the chance. So that that was really my sort of entry point. It was myself having these um, problems, not being able to sleep, looking at the the science of, of, of um, sleep hygiene and sleep medicine and seeing where... I could draw parallels with what I'd been doing touring around and where there were opportunities to soundscape experiences to help people mitigate the sort of sleep deprivation, insomnia, jet lag. And obviously what goes with that? Mental health problems, um, mm. physical problems. I mean, yeah, because cause sleep is really it's seen as as a luxury isn't it these days sometimes I've always, yeah. for many people I think it's like if you get a good night's sleep and I think so many people spend their days maybe worrying that they're not going to get enough sleep or you feel tired in the day but then you feel wired at night and I think it's something like two-thirds of adults have a disrupted sleep and um and so, yeah, I mean, it's really important, isn't it? That, I mean, obviously you being a night owl and then your whole kind of circadian ribbon, rhythms being completely disrupted and then going from place to place, hotel to hotel. So it's never not going to your own bed. And I, and I know that that when you, you know, you might be staying in the, in a really lovely, really lovely place, but if it's not your, your own home, there is that sort of very primal place where we go back to in our nervous system around safety and hypervigilant mode and so on. And even now, like more importantly than ever, because people are so, um, wired and, and in that state of flight or fight, it's, sleep seems to be more and more of an issue and people, 
taking stimulants to keep awake and then taking uh, medication to go to sleep and so on. And there are these, these tools that we've, that we have, which are so, um, you know, that, that are mostly free. I mean, obviously music isn't, isn't free in the way that people have to make music and people have to make a living and so on. But it's something that comes from the human, um, experience. And it's something that we all have within us, isn't it? How really, um, music just is something that that carries us through life. I mean, I I know that music can really help to change my mood because I think it's helped carry so many people through this whole pandemic. It's been a real companion in many ways and it's helped to really lift people's moods, help to keep people connected. And um and and so when you've done this research around sleep science and and music and maybe is it been have you been just uh, exploring the neurological um pathways how it affects our brain how it affects our states and how, how it affects our nervous system what what is it that you discovered having given myself this brief um, which is to unpack the science around sleep and also the neuroscience and psychology of music and sound um, which i'm still studying um it was abundantly clear that you could use some some very lovely tricks, if you like, using music. We love music, as you said. It's your companion. It's your best friend. It doesn't answer back to you. You can turn to it um, in a time of crisis and it can support you um, and it can deliver the same effect time and time again. So it's a re- reproducible uh, intervention, which I love. So understanding that if we're in mostly a state of elevated um, vigilance, alert, fight or flight um we're in i mean i'd say probably for the last couple of years due to fear uncertainty um health issues um uh, you know work uh all the stuff that's been happening through the pandemic we have been in a Mm. state of elevated distress for about two years and and that means that you're pumped full of of adrenaline noradrenaline cortisol all of the kind of stress Mm. hormones are you know pumping you up because you don't know what's going to happen next we are all you know waiting for the next you know news headline which is a terrible thing to be doing but yeah we're tuned into what now yeah and even before you know even before this anxiety and depression was at an all-time high and the pace of life was not sustainable as it was and then having these last two years the effect of the pandemic uh, on on people and their nervous systems it's it's almost like magnified and and like you say it's almost like it's a state of norm for people to now be in that state and therefore just everyone just seems to be a lot more edgy and and jumpy and and the you know anxiety and depression is something that's it's it's in in that way there's a pandemic you know it's it's become epidemic hasn't it it's just we're yeah we're it, it, it is at crisis stage and it's like well what what is the priorities right now and and how can we help that because right now in order for us to really help our immune systems and to be able to strengthen our immune systems and to keep cortisol down um 
we need to we need to lower our stress levels and then that's going to help to boost our immune system if we're in this constant state of as you just said de-stress or distress then we are going to be um compromising our immune systems as well absolutely um and and that's why you know i'm mission driven um to help people using music and sound so having understood some simple principles such as your resting heart rate um, in certain times of day, if you can kind of look at where it sort of lies, there are some universals. And to help people relax, if you can entrain people rhythmically, as in deliver some sound and music that has a kind of a subliminal pulse behind it that's lower than an average resting heart rate, you start, people lock into that without even realizing it. We're, you know, we, we love to follow rhythms, even if we're unaware of them. So I create music for a platform such as Calm to help people sleep. And utilizing this, this sort of science of entrainment, what happens is, and it's really beautiful, your heart rate comes if, Before down. you go any further, can you just break down entrainment? Sure. So entrainment is, is basically a process of whereby um, your, uh, your brain... Um, mimics or copies um, uh, an external rhythmic stimulus. So in this case, what we're talking about is like a beat or a pulse. And let's say normally your heart rate is um, 70 BPM. If I play you some music with a pulse that's the same as a, a, a clock ticking, 60 BPM, eventually what happens is you are so receptive to that rhythmic pulse that your body on, on a number of levels starts to synchronize with it. Um, I mean, there's, there's lots of lovely stories about how, you know, two humans can kind of synchronize their breathing and their heart rate. This is called entrainment, where you're synchronizing to um, a, a rhythmic stimulus. And what I love about this is, you know, music is a brilliant way of, of delivering this entrainment. And at this point, let's say your resting heart rate is um, 60 BPM in the evening. And... When you're in deep sleep, you could be somewhere, depending on your, um, uh, <laughs> your your physiology, it could be sort of between 40 and 50 BPM. So if I play some music that's even slower than your resting heart rate, somewhere around where it might be when you're in deep sleep state, it's going to help your body to, to, to kind of fall into that state of deep rest and relaxation. So we're activating the parasympathetic mode the rest, digest, mm -hmm. recover mode, which is really important to bring you down from this heightened state of fight or flight, which is sympathetic mode, and your autonomic nervous system is basically down-regulated using music, breathing rate comes down, heart rate comes down, blood rate pressure comes down, cortisol levels come down, and all of these things are measurable through um, a variety of devices that, that I, I can basically show you in real time, including um, cardiac <laughs> vagal tone. We can look at your um, yeah. ventral uh, vagus nerve and see how that's responding. And we can craft yeah. music that's been designed specifically to slow you down, socially and ethically responsibly getting you into that state of parasympathetic. And that's what this music does. And I didn't even know that I was making it uh, all those years ago yeah. as ambient music. And that's why we love listening to this sort of slow, relaxing ambient music. Do you know what you made me just think of when you said that? Like when I, as a mother, singing to my my little one as a baby and singing him lullabies and there's always that soft, gentle tone, then you're rocking them 
with the sound of your voice as well. So it's it's just there, isn't it, within of our human nature to work with sound to help our babies go to sleep as well. Bingo. There you go. I mean, you just nailed, hit the nail on the head. And the, the, that entrainment mm-hmm. happens, the synchrony happens when you bring your child to your chest and your body's vibrating, you know, the heartbeats are connecting and the sound, the toning that happens through your chest you're delivering a, a, a vibroacoustic form of therapy as well. That's why, you know, we, we just instinctively we do it as parents. We don't even know why. Um, one of the projects I did for Calm was around the, the history of the lullaby and the fact that this particular rhythm, the rocking kind of waltz, one, two, three, two, two, three, which is similar to why we love s- swings. Mm-hmm. You know, it has this pendulum kind of effect. Yes. So it slows down yeah. and then speeds up and then slows down. That's what we do. We naturally rock. And that rocking movement, that motion, combined with um, the soft tones and and finding your inner kind of calm frequency, which I love. And I get the idea of, of, you know, just locking into, you know, this this point in your chest that sort of feels like the most um, comfortable frequency for you. And and this is sort of the principles that I'm unpacking um, on my course and in my research is we're all individual, um, physiologically speaking, our size and sort of thoracic cavity all have these sort of different um, volumes. And so we are effectively musical instruments and we have the power to use our musical instrument, which is the body, through this perfect genius bit of, of technology called larynx. And with the lungs and the diaphragm, you, you literally have an opportunity to, um, to vibrate and, and to sort of feel better whenever you want, just through humming, through um, mantra, yeah. through toning, which again is all about regulating breathing. So this is your world and this is why, you know, the sound yeah, and breath work I mean, is so I, and, I, and I love, and I love, yeah, and I've been working so much lately around the voice with breath work too and finding... Um, that connection, even with the the pelvis and the hips to the to the structure of the throat, and the connection to the diaphragm, and how we have little muscles in within the pelvis and in the back of the throat, which are like little diaphragms, which are correlating with the main diaphragm as well. And if the diaphragm is tight, and if those muscles in the back of the throat are tight, or if they're tight in the hips as well, or the, the pelvis, then um, our breathing is going to be restricted, or our jaw is going to feel tight, and so on. And like you say, just by using sound and working with the voice, um, you can really help to, um, to, to release that as well. And, and then going back to uh, like the little, little babies, like when we're in uh, the embryonic stage, the the pelvis, pelvis, pelvis in the um, the the throat construction muscles of the tissues are all connected, and then they stay connected as as the spine grows and and develops, and then obviously the vagal the vagal um, uh, nerves the, the 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 vagus nerve is all is all being developed along that along that line along the spine as well, which is connected all the way down to the pelvis and starting in the um, in the brainstem as well. So that that deep connection that we have within us, it's uh, I guess the instrument of our voice and sound and the connection with breath and our whole nervous system as well. I mean, like it's in the way that if 
someone shouts really loudly at you or you know when you're when you're young that can really you know that can make you jump or if like you say if someone's singing softly to you then that can soothe you as well and and it's uh just that that whole connection around um sound but the sound within us and the sound that's that out that's outside of us as well it's almost like there isn't really a separation it's just it's just like you say it's it's in training isn't it it's helping to to change that vibration within us yeah exactly exactly and because we're in this sort of state of distress all the time we've forgotten how to find that that comfortable um states where you know your your, your ventral vagal state of, of homeostatic balance where you can find your calm, um, your sort of uh, state of social safety, where you're not triggered all the time. And unlearning all these patterns, if you like, of, of being triggered all the time is is really the art of a sort of self care and what what you teach and what I'm you know doing with my music and sound and sensory interventions is helping people to remind them through micro moment rituals how to mm-hmm. decompress, how to slow down. And we sometimes we just need a, a little helping hand, and that's why you know music is such a lovely way of doing it because you literally press play, and with my pieces of music, I've actually made them fade out, so you don't even have to turn it off. So I've, I've thought about this this journey, and you know, normally twenty to thirty minutes, you can probably fall to sleep, and so through a sixty minute piece of content, what I do is I make you listen first, I take you into a state of grounded presence, so active listening. And then gradually, I convert and transform into this state of passive listening. So it becomes a kind of soothing oral blanket, a kind of a a sonic duvet that keeps you feeling safe and supported and helps you to drift off to sleep. And I love making these soundscapes, dreamscapes, sleepscapes, because each one is a lovely little journey. So with the Sleep Better album, I, I wanted to sort of take you on this journey. And it's really nice that, you know, I start off with the word sunset. Even the simplicity mm-hmm. of a word like sunset, you read it and suddenly it makes you think of a positive experience. Normally we have this positive association. So we've been primed initially with a word and then I create, I paint a scene with sound. So gentle waves breaking on a shoreline, cicadas, crickets or frogs in the background. So you get that lovely kind of which is a really soothing sound. It reminds you of a warm place at dusk possibly a you know, summer holiday in the Mediterranean, something like that. So whilst you, you, you kind of take people and transport them, you've made them feel safe and grounded because actually when we hear nature sounds, particularly um, the biophony of, of birds and insects, that's our safe space. When the insects and the birds mm. stop making noises, it's dangerous. <laughs> there is a sense of threat and danger. So yes, I, I love talking about course. soundscape ecology, geophony, is the mm. elemental sounds of the earth. It's water, it's wind. Biophony are the sound of organisms. And then you've got these other layers on the top. Anthropophony, intentional and unintentional. Unintentional anthropophony, which is the cacophony and technophony of the industrial age, it's noise pollution. It's everything that we've mm. you know, created machines that make all this noise that triggers us. Yeah. And then you've got intentional anthropophony. And I love this. It's music. We've intended to make noise and sound that we decode as as music. Yeah, you've just reminded me of kind of, you know, obviously the ocean and how affected the ocean's been by sound pollution 
as well and the ocean has its own sounds and how whales communicate with each other and and um and then how the noises of big cruise ships and uh, and so on and all of that that's that traffic in the sea can be so disruptive can't it to oh, massively. the ecosystems of our oceans oh i read yesterday that uh, a submarine sonar ping is about 230 decibels underwater mm. now wow we experience pain at around you know 110 120 decibels i mean it's like physically painful so 230 decibels of sound being pinged, those poor whales must be experiencing absolute agony and water travels faster and, and at greater distance uh, underwater as well. So yeah, I mean, noise pollution above ground and in the ocean is a huge problem right now. Yeah, I mean, I just, when I, during the first top, um, parts of lockdown, uh, well, for a few months back, and I'm lucky enough to live in the countryside. So we, you know, it was a bit like nature was on acid for those first few months. Anyway, the weather was just glorious, and and everything because it were quietened down, and there weren't cars, and there weren't there wasn't so much traffic. You could see and hear nature again. It was just like it was just magnified, and you know, you could hear the sound of the birds and. And wildlife didn't seem to be quite so scared to be showing itself as well. And um, yeah, we're we're a noisy bunch, aren't we, us, us yeah. human beings? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if if we if we can learn to to um, turn down um, this unintentional anthropophony uh, and tune out of it through whatever medium, whether it's kind of acoustics or or, or seeking to to wear you know, earbuds or devices that that literally turn the the dangerous unhealthy noise levels down and then replace it with beautiful geophony and biophony the sounds of nature which come in at around about 40 to 50 decibels and that's lovely that that to me i would prescribe that i will say mm -hmm. if and this is when i'm sleep coaching sometimes i'll say look the best thing you can listen to at night is nature sound gentle waves and sound of, of you know crickets or cicadas or frogs tropical frogs they just have this lovely kind of chorus and in the morning listen to a dawn chorus of birds this is how we should go to sleep and wake up because that's what it used to be before the industrial revolution and that's why we're always so triggered because you can't we don't have ear lids <laughs> and, and at night time unless you've got earplugs <laughs> You, you can't switch off your hearing. It's always receptive to sounds. Yeah, when we go back to um, back in the days, being cavemen and maybe one having to be by the fire at night to to um, to be on watch and then not, you know, not having a concern about then, okay, well, we can sleep this off in the day and so on. Um, but also in your research, I'm not sure you know what the if you have got an answer to this. But did you find that um, when you were doing research around sleep and sound, that it activated any parts of the brain more or less with certain sounds, and then how that affected the nervous system? Very interesting. Yeah. So essentially, um, if we just talk about music, it's the only stimulation that activates every single part of the brain. It's the only sense mm. where when you are exposed to sound and music, your entire brain lights up if you're looking under an fMRI scanner. And what that says is that basically 
you are utilizing every part of your um, brain to process and decode meaning and information from the sounds and music. So in the case of music, obviously, it's typically triggering um, an experiential uh, emotional response. You know, you've probably heard something maybe similar and you could repeat, um, reproduce an effect of, of that trigger. Whereas novelty um, ignites the sort of pleasure reward system. So it's doing a number of things in a number of ways. With sleep music, it's different because what I'm actually doing is intentionally shutting down parts of the brain. I don't want you to actively listen all the way through. First of all, I do. I want you to listen. And so I might use a piano or a sound that's familiar. In a context that's familiar, it might sound somewhat classical, perhaps. And there might be some sounds that are familiar, string sounds or pad sounds. Um, but ultimately, I want to get you over that um, sleep threshold, the point at which you will naturally become sleepy, and your brain um, brain waves start to slow down naturally anyway if you get to that point in your um, uh, your evening where you're naturally going to be producing melatonin and you're going to get into the first uh, phase of sleep. So I'm kind of following a little bit of the, the pattern that happens when um, your brain starts to slow down. And so I create music that slows down, um, let's say, uh, alongside that to complement what naturally happens in your brain. And then this effectively um, aids and supports a slower brainwave state. And what we're aiming for is basically to get you from alpha into theta and then down into delta waves. Delta wave sleep, slow wave sleep, is the holy grail. <laughs> it's the deepest mm -hmm. level of sleep within the, the, the it's the third phase of, of sleep, which is the most potent for um, body regeneration, recovery, healing. Um, and, and to me, it's like the one phase of sleep, if you look at um, what's happened in the last um, four or five decades, we've lost an hour of sleep and the quality of our slow wave sleep has been depleted because we can't get down into that deep state and remain there. Things might wake us up, things might stimulate us. We might have been um, overstimulated before we went to bed. So we're still ruminating and we're still bouncing around in the, the lighter top levels of sleep where our brain activity isn't getting to slow down. And so if you look at sleep architecture and the number of cycles we have going through stage one, stage two, stage three, back up through to the, the, the REM phase, which is um, dream state. Yeah. What happens at the moment is that people tend to, to not have enough repetitions of the, the deeper phases of sleep. And so we're lighter sleepers now, and that's problematic. So if we're not getting enough deep sleep, that uh, we can't flush our brains with a beta-amyloid plaque and do the detox, which we could say effectively is a, a kind of countermeasure towards prevention of um, uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. So yeah, because there's an, there's an awful lot of um, repair that's happening during mm. sleep, isn't there, to our yeah. brain cells? When and, we're, a natural, yeah. a natural kind of flushing and detoxing happens if we mm. can get into that that deep phase. So that's why I always recommend you know these these earplugs because if you can remove as many of the stimulus that are going to be um, preventing you from getting into the deep level of sleep, which is normally sound, urban sound, um, anything that's you know loud enough to trigger you awake, that's not going to be a good thing. So these earplugs are brilliant because they turn everything down to a point where 
if you you will still hear a baby, <laughs> the most important sounds you'll still hear, but the stuff that's sort of in the background that might be annoying and keeping you um, from falling into that deeper level, you've just turned it down a little bit. An eye mask or blackout um, curtains, absolutely crucial, mm-hmm. keeping the temperature of the room to around 18 degrees. You know, these simple things we can do with um, darkness, which supports melatonin, um, and sound, which you know, reduces this risk of, of not having the deep quality of sleep. And then it's things like you know looking at your sleep environment. So I like doing a bedroom audit, and I like people to sort of think carefully about what this room is. <laughs> this is a no. I'm, I'm terrible because my office, my office is now in my bedroom, and that's probably not what you're going to be saying should be happening at all. <laughs> well, what's happened is we, we've turned the bedroom into a you know, movie theater, into a um, mm. dining room, into a sitting room, into an office. If we can try to. Um, keep the association of the bedroom with sleep it helps it's not easy for everyone you know we're in a time now where we've been told you have to work at home very difficult you know sometimes the only place you can create an office is in the bedroom which is you know perhaps not normally used in the daytime for anything else so i get it we've got these challenges but i think it's trying to if possible be disciplined in um reduction of screen time because that's the key thing at the moment we're overstimulated we're exposing ourselves to the wrong frequency of light. It's this blue light that blocks melatonin. And we're, mm. we've got this sort of dopamine addiction. You know, we love to keep scrolling, yeah. flicking, validating, liking. Keep getting that hit. Yeah. Uh, in a time, boom, 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 boom. We're in a deep dopamine feedback loop and it's very mm. difficult to get out of it. So the key thing is try and remove the tech from the bedroom. Replace it with, you know, biophilic design. Get some green stuff in the bedroom that kicks out oxygen, absorbs CO2, get a a pink uh, Himalayan crystal lamp in there, get the other lights out. So you've got this lovely low quality of light that supports Mm -hmm. melatonin release. You've got um, as as few um, EWF um, frequencies, you know, we want to get the electromagnetic radiation levels down in the bedroom. We don't want to have our brains being bombarded with levels of, of, of sort of frequency that are hyper-stimulating us still. So, you know, switching things off, putting them into flight mode, airline mode is yeah. really important. I ideally like turning the internet off at nighttime. There you if go. You, you know, that, that's, that's really a game changer, I find, yeah. as well. And, and then when you're going to melatonin as well, it's uh, where it's produced in the gut and um, we need serotonin to produce melatonin and then... If we are, as you say, we're constantly being stimulated and bombarded and we keep going back to these screens and it's just like getting those hits of dopamine and then being in flight or fight and then the cortisol, adrenaline hormones pumping around, it's it's harder to produce those hormones, the melatonin hormones that can help us to have a really good night's sleep. Um, so, and just things like, you know, like you say, with music and also with breathing, uh, the research has shown that a minute of conscious breathing can help to reduce cortisol in the whole of your bloodstream. And so that's a really worthwhile thing to be, to be doing. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, as you just say, things like, like you say, having plants in the room and, and, um, Himalayan salt lamp and, and all of those things are just, it just, it's, it, 
just it's setting the scene for yourself, isn't it? It's almost like having these rituals, having creating this space, creating this sanctuary for yourself, where um, it, it's almost like you're letting the body know here we are, we're ready for sleep, um, and, and and we're safe as well because the nervous system doesn't always know if it's a perceived threat or a real threat as well, does it? And it's in that way with sounds. Um, in the way that breath can really help to soothe the, the nervous system and let us know we're safe, the sounds can do that too. That's so beautiful, isn't it? Oh, it's magic. I mean, and if you if you create this sort of mm. temple of tranquility and use the senses, you know, using um, scents like you know um, lavender essential oil and maybe clary sage, there's some really nice oils that 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 for some reason just evoke that state of sort of instant calm. Lavender. Mm. Time and time again comes up in the research as a go-to for helping you make make you feel a bit more calm and relaxed. So pillow mist sprays are brilliant. I love those. Um, mm. So whilst you've kind of audited your bedroom, just kind of going through it and thinking, which things can I you know take out that I really don't need in here? And then there's things like creating order so that the next day you don't have to overthink things. And one of the biggest problems is we go to sleep at night with anxiety and worries. And so a great trick, which is a cognitive behavioral therapeutic technique, is to have a bit of paper, old school analog, a bit of paper and a pen. Write down your worries, negative thoughts and emotions, and um, anything that's troubling you. Write them down. Get them out of your head. It's the physical manifestation. Remove them from your and, head. And it's that thing about the physical from being from pen to paper as opposed mm. to your writing down the notes on your phone as well because there's something cognitively where it connects so much better from pen to paper as well, doesn't it? Yeah, you, you've externalised it. You've taken it out of your head. Mm. Then you throw that piece of paper away and then you write down a to-do list. And again, forget your gadget for doing this, but actually writing it down, again, makes it easier. What you've done is you've removed some of the the worries and the troubles from the past, some of the sort of present worries and some of the future worries. So you know what you're doing tomorrow. You don't have to wake up thinking, oh, what have I got to do? Because you've written it down to remind you. And that's the point where you start practicing, you know, a mindfulness exercise, some breath work, some yoga, um, some very, very kind of, you know, um, gentle kind of practice that allows you, gives you sort of room and space to, to be present in the moment and to, to get your, catch your breath and to come into this state of sort of rest and recovery. And that's, you know, looking for those opportunities. What can you do to, to not worry about things? Do you know what? There's really another crazy thing going on at the moment. Because we're, we're addicted to technology and we've got these fitness trackers We've also mm-hmm. become addicted to sleep performance. And that's created this thing yeah. called orthosomnia, which is sleep performance anxiety. So you've got this <laughs> ridiculous scenario where everyone's kind of waking up going, how, how well did I sleep? What, what's my sleep score? What number have I got? Oh my, oh no, I've got it. And then that creates anxiety, which then means that the next night of sleep is you're going to be anxious about, am I going to, you know, how's yeah. my sleep performance going to be? So we, we kind of need to. It's almost like you're sort of this. putting yourself under pressure to perform even when you're asleep as well. And if exactly. you haven't, then you failed. Which is yeah. crazy. We need to just kind of calm down with this sort of, you know, relentless tracking of biometrics. But, but yeah, and more and more like this technology, which is incredible because obviously it's 
created so many amazing things and you know you and I are talking like this and the the soundscapes that you've produced and and all the technology that that you've um uh created through through music and sound and so on but then also you know there's that sort of it's like a double-edged sword in the, in the way that um we we it can take away our sort of internal compass or our internal navigation, our trusting when we're just listening into my body. How am I feeling? Am I feeling tired? Am I feeling hungry? You know, we're even asking how many steps we've done a day and so on. And it's just so we're just relying on our phone or our gadgets to tell us all this information about ourselves. And then that's just becomes very disconnecting really in many ways that we're not really trusting our own felt senses or even bothering to to stop to listen into how we are actually feeling inside at the time yeah i, I think um i i don't know, i love technology i love it as a tool mm-hmm. to help us and support us and um as a, as a let's say a way to assist and be helpful in the right moment appropriately tech for good it's when it kind of overtakes and we forget that we have the choice over it rather than it overwhelming us bombarding us with you know relentless notifications where we've kind of submitted to allowing it to take to to run our lives as long as we can you know create that boundary and particularly in in the evening and just sort of say you know what i'm now switching off and I'm giving my body that opportunity to, to to calm down and slow down because we are living at such a relentless pace now. We don't give ourselves a chance. We're literally on the screens until we've kind of we're overtired. We've gone through a threshold of tiredness. Mm-hmm. Then we realize, oh my goodness, what just happened? Oh, I just binge watched another sort of you know three episodes of something or other. <sighs> Difficult, but we have to be disciplined. And if we can remind ourselves the value and the power of, of something as simple as getting a good night's sleep and how it's going to aid our you know the, the next day's productivity and our you know, emotional state our you know, cognitive performance um, we'll make better decisions about what we eat um, we won't have kind of disrupted leptin and ghrelin you know hunger and and, and, and satisfaction hormones you know, the stuff that goes wrong when you mess up your sleep is huge and, and a lot of the sort of current kind of human problems are a result and there is this sort of weird but uh, annoying kind of there is a, mm. a scary bi-directional relationship between mental health such as you know depression and sleep yeah. insomnia mm. and sleep problems can be symptomatic of mental health problems but equally if you don't get enough sleep and your sleep is being disrupted, it can trigger mental health problems. So getting that balance and just being aware that your emotional state at all times is impacted by the quality of your sleep, it's just a good thing to think about, just to try and recalibrate and invest in sleep because I think it's it's the, it's, it's the best, to quote Matthew Walker, free life insurance mm-hmm. policy you've got. You know, get it right yeah. and your body will fix itself. I mean, REM sleep is emotional triage. It's like a top level of self-counseling. Um, REM sleep is disrupted badly by things like caffeine and alcohol and other stimulants, which is really annoying because, you know, there are those of us that might have a little mm-hmm. you know, nightcap or a drink before bed. And, and if we realize that 
certain things will disrupt certain aspects of our sleep architecture that's been designed to help us process the day. If we don't get to do that, we're, we're you know going to start to fall apart mentally speaking. Yeah, so, and it, and it's bre- it's breaking habits, isn't it? And uh, and then we can have the best intentions, but then maybe it gets to seven or eight o'clock, and then that little kind of it's almost like coping mechanisms or something takes over where you might think, oh, well, I'll just have a glass of wine because I've worked really hard today. So it becomes like a reward, doesn't it? Or yeah. I need a coffee to get through the day and so on. And um, But then, you know, it's like when you were talking about those little micro habits, you can, if you can bring in other habits and you can start to concentrate and focus on building them, then you can start just finding that rather than you're trying to berate yourself or stop things or, you know, tell yourself off that you actually start to realize that you don't actually need that quite so much. You know, it's like in the way that if you've had a really good sleep the night before, you're not going to need to have three or four coffees in the morning to get through the day. Bringing everything back into balance is in the way in the planet, isn't it? Where the planet can be, all of the ecosystems, when they can be so out of balance because there's too much tension or too much fear or too much stress or too much pollution, so on. Then we, as we are feeling on a mass scale right now, everything is out of balance and, you know, climate is... It's not in the you know the climate change is not is not in a good way and it's but we have our own little inner ecosystems as well that we need to nurture and nourish and pay attention to as well and if we do that then then everything on a mental emotional and physical level is going to feel more in balance. Oh, one hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Um, we just you know, we've forgotten because life's very convenient right now. You know everything is on demand. I can have it inverted commas now <laughs> whatever you want mm-hmm. you can have it now delivered to your door now and and so it's like everything's effortless it's so convenient we have so much choice we forget that we need to address how we function optimally without all these conveniences we need to to kind of look as you say look inside and remind ourselves the natural gifts that we have mm-hmm. we've evolved with some systems that should deliver this sort of state of homeostatic balance, yet we forget how to to recalibrate. And a lot of these things are, you know, prevented by the environment we're in or the work we we do. And just reminding ourselves that, you know, nature's on our doorstep and and we, we can go out and walk and breathe and ground and take a moment that's a really powerful thing to do and mm-hmm. and so it's the simplicity of you know feed your mind and body with as you know the purest things you can um and to give yourself this opportunity to have moments of this sort of pure tranquility because it's just so hectic we're fighting you know a world of of, of craziness um and relentless um participation um and you know there's something you're talking about which which makes me sort of think a little bit about uh, my new album actually, which is the, you know the state of the planet right now. We're in the Anthropocene. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's we're beyond that sort of tipping point. Um, we we have very little. Um, we have to make some big choices very quickly now about being better planetary stewards. We have to look after this this gift we've been given of, of, of the natural world around us. 
Um, and my mantra for this new album, which is uh, called E2XO, is care more, waste less. Um, it's just some mm-hmm. simple stuff. And, and I think the, the take home from um, David Attenborough's last film was don't waste. I mean, what, what a simple thing to, to dwell on. Don't waste. He's absolutely right. You can take it to that point. We just need to be kinder and more compassionate for each other and for the planet and to, to, to try not to yeah. waste because, you know, we're depleting things at a crazy rate. I mean, it's it's that, like you say, it's that duty of care, isn't it? And being and one of my favourite authors, Robert McFarland, who in one of his books, when he writes, how do we want to be remembered as ancestors? It's making those, like you say, everything's just so easy to access, isn't it? That um, we've come a little bit lazy, whereas before, well, little or a lot lazy, whereas before you'd spend the day looking for your food and then finding your food and cooking your food and digest, digesting your food. And, and so, you you know, you don't need to kind of be going to the gym or... Um, or uh, having to take sleeping pills to go at night because everything you were just we were part of nature as opposed to this theory which is in a way that humankind sort of feels like it's somehow separate from but we aren't we're all nature and we're all here together just on on that note just around um the effects of uh, what's happened in the in the last two years and in the industry and the music industry and around mental health obviously you have a lot of friends in the, in the industry and, and and me too. And I, I know that, you know, so many people have been affected by it, but what's, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, cause you've been doing a lot, haven't you as well around mental health training and, and, uh, but what, what's your, what's your view on how the music industry has been affected in these times? Oh, I, I mean, I, I feel very lucky and fortunate that, um, because I've sort of pivoted into a slightly different world, which is functional music with purpose to help people. Wellness music mm-hmm. sector is, is you know, booming, blossoming. But those that are still um, re- were reliant on touring and producing music, <clears throat> careers have been decimated. Mental health has been decimated. It's been a really brutal, hard, hard time. A lot of people having to kind of reskill, upskill, and pivot into other roles. And some even didn't have any support, you know, some were on furlough mm. uh, through the work they were doing. And, and if you were kind of a freelance musician, you probably didn't get any support. And yeah. Yeah. it's been brutal for so many. And with that, you know, I've noticed um, an increase in support groups of um, musicians, artists, DJs, producers, being able to, you know, come together and share their vulnerabilities and the challenges they've been having. And it's, it's industry-wide. I mean... Here's the problem. What you see on Instagram and social media isn't the full story. And there are so many cases where, and I know <laughs> firsthand, that what is being presented is a facade. It's, it has to be done to show that within this industry, you're still kind of you know uh, competing in the game. But behind the scenes, people are in trouble. You know, their mental health has mm. been um, absolutely destroyed. Um, they're struggling financially. It, it's it's horrible to have to say it, but you know there isn't enough sharing of vulnerability because it shows weakness yeah. in this sort of you know, quite masculine music industry. And it's I, I just hate to see it. Um, one of the things I've been trying to do is to uh, encourage artists and, and musicians to look at wellness music, functional music as a 
a new sort of trajectory to explore because it is booming. You know, there's so many apps now um, that need content that helps you, helps solve human problems. So if you identify that as an intuitive musician, you're great at telling stories and delivering emotion. Mm. And with a bit of fine tuning, you can rehome those production skills and create content that helps people to sleep, reduces anxiety, gives you energy and, and boosts your productivity. And this sort of new wave of functional music, I kind of see as like a beacon of hope for those that maybe aren't touring anymore and you know don't have the kind of um, the the impetus to want to kind of create music for a dance floor that doesn't even exist. You know, uh, you're sort of seeing an entire sector of, of live music being um, disrupted, decimated, clubs and, and spaces going. And it's, it's just it's horrible that, you know, the arts have been impacted so, so massively. So mm. considering that there is this problem, sleep, anxiety, <laughs> mental health, surely as artists and musicians, we can support one another and contribute by creating this beautiful thing called music that makes us feel better. And, and hopefully, if, if some of the platforms that are encouraging artists to distribute their music, um, they could, you know, perhaps you know, pivot into this world. Um, I mean, I'm noticing a lot of people that are really interested in it now, and it's fascinating beyond the sort of sound therapy and music therapy and some of the kind of practices that um, we've talked about in terms of ancient instruments that are being used in sort of ceremonial or ritual kind of um sound bath settings there is yeah. electronic music and acoustic music that we can use to support our emotional well-being i mean it's, it's been really quite brutal hasn't it in the way like you say that people don't really see on social media how it has affected so many people in the music and entertainment industry and and people are suffering in silence in that way and and uh, you know it's, it's like that that it's such a gift to be you know, music's such a gift, sound is such a gift. And then to almost have that taken away from you or not be able to share it can bring on depression and, and mental health issues and, and also just stuff around survival as well when there has been really little or no no support at all. Um and and I guess in in a in a perhaps maybe male more male dominated industry, it's sometimes harder to reach out and ask for help as well although it seems to be that that is changing a lot more now doesn't it around you know there's so many people doing a lot of a lot of work around um uh, supporting each other and and uh and not seeing vulnerability as being a weakness as well but actually a great strength and also how we can you know like you say we can really express in these times through music how it makes us feel and then that can make other people feel less lonely as well and uh, feel more connected. So, what are your next ventures at the moment? What what is it that you're 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 moving on to? What's what are your projects that are that are happening right now that you can share with us? <laughs> well, I've, I've just come back from Egypt, and I mm -hmm. had the privilege to to spend. Um, oh, I a saw that. Yes, I saw. <laughs> yes, in the king's oh, that's chamber exciting. at the Great Pyramid mm. of Khufu, and mm. I've been semi-obsessed with finding this mystical resonant frequency of the coffer, otherwise known as sarcophagus. Now, quite controversial mm -hmm. because um, mummies weren't found and the position of the tomb itself is above ground, which is not necessarily aligned with all of the 
the other tombs which are below ground. So, question mark, was this chamber, the king's chamber, a tomb? Was the sarcophagus or the coffer a place to you know, bury a mummy? Or was it something else? And the fact that the chamber itself is made from rose, um, rose granite, which is full of quartz, the fact that the pyramids and the chamber and the coffer exhibit pre-Greek sacred geometry. We're talking phi, pi, um, all of the dimensions exhibit kind of golden ratio proportions. And this is before it was even sort of talked about in Greece. This I'm finding super interesting. So mm. I climbed into the chamber, uh, sorry, into the, the coffer, and literally just let out a kind of a breath and started kind of toning to find this particular frequency, the resonant frequency. And if you want to try this experiment at home, if you've got like a, a concave sink or a, um, like a glass shower enclosure, you can kind of make an um or ooh or ah uh sound and go up and down with the pitch. And there's a certain point where <clears throat> you'll create standing waves and basically you amplify that one note of the acoustic environment you're in. So I found it quite naturally very quickly because um, I was literally kind of going, oh, and there it is. Effortlessly, I was almost just whispering a sound. So inhale, the whole thing started vibrating. My body was buzzing and it just got louder and louder and louder with this 117 hertz. So this is a frequency measurement of the note of this sarcophagus or coffer inside the king's chamber. And then we went on to, to uh, uh, engage in a, a kind of a toning ceremony. Um, some people come along um, to, uh, to basically have an activation in the king's chamber. So we had a lovely yeah. time toning and singing together. It went to kind of a bit jazz Gregorian at moments. <laughs> it was lovely. <laughs> and then so since then, I've been exploring deeper this one frequency and trying to find out, you know, who, has anyone else researched this? Is there any, you know, um, evidence? Went down a rabbit hole. Mm. Are you ready? It's like, it's like sort of ancient technology, isn't it? That's yes. like being rediscovered or something. So. Yeah. 117 hertz has also been found in Kabar Kod's Pup Chamber and Chichen Itza in Kulkan, both in Mexico. This same frequency has been measured in Mexican pyramids, if you want to call them that, and yes, in the Great yeah. Pyramid of Giza. And having watched this amazing, I think it's called K2019 documentary, three hours of absolutely phenomenal dot joining, showing that the meter, the centimeter, uh, was not a metric system, <laughs> sorry France, but was not invented by the French. The mm. Egyptians knew this because a water droplet, the diameter, is a centimetre. The, 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 uh, the royal arm and the royal leg and these proportions add up to a metre. The pyramid exhibits to the centimetre these metrics, to the centimetre. You can measure the entire thing and it exhibits the golden ratio, phi and pi. So to me, the entire purpose of this incredible space w was not what I think we, we, we've thought it being. It's not a tomb. An initiation chamber, a rejuvenation mm -hmm. chamber, using vibration as a tool. 
the star shafts align with um, one of them aligns with Sirius, like perfectly again to the centimeter. Right. So yeah, you can't tell yeah. me that there is there is no real you know intelligent or sophisticated thinking around creating a technology that is essentially an acoustic resonant chamber. What it was for remains to be seen, but you know I've been exploring this, um, understanding the instruments that were used, the um, the Sistra and the Mentor, um, and what the Tars and the Priestesses did in this chamber. What if it was filled with water? Because we know that you know sound travels through water. What if this this um, coffer was an initiation chamber, and you? What if it was a birthing pool? You know, I'm throwing out these mm. these postulations because yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. It was way more than just a tomb. Couldn't have been. It was like mm-hmm. a technology. It's even said that the Ark of the Covenant exhibits the exact external dimensions of the internal dimensions of the coffer. Did the Ark of the Covenant sit inside this? Was it a giant battery or an energy system? Was it a you know something that that literally was vibratory and, and we still don't know how it was it was functioning? Um, but the fact that. Um, Years later, pyramids appeared in in Mexico exhibiting the same sacred geometry systems and the tuning systems. And there are lots of spaces, ancient spaces, that that have these acoustic properties. So I'm on a bit of a quest at the moment to to to, to sort of unpack ancient temples, acoustic spaces, and and why the acoustics Mm. of these spaces deliver this sort of spiritual state. Without anything All else, all of this, uh, yeah, lost chanting. information, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I'm going going off on mm. one <laughs> into uh, chemistry, which is Egyptian mysticism. Um, but equally, it's informing what I'm doing in the in the lab and in the studio. So I'm utilising these frequencies because they're real, they're visceral. I felt it. Mm. Everyone that was there felt that that was the frequency that ignited a sort of level of vibration that you never felt anywhere else naturally without doing anything other than i wonder what voice. it evokes i wonder what it creates i wonder what its intention was for it what it was like almost calling in do you know what i mean it's well clearly it was uh, you know to, to connect with inverted commas mm. the divine or with the, the cosmos yeah. you know whatever you want to define it as um this chamber clearly is a, a communication portal to because they are always built in alignment with the stars, aren't they? And the, yeah, completely. Yeah, and how? Yeah, yeah. So wow. that was the most recent that's, thing that I did, which was mind blowing. <laughs> and I went to the Valley of the Kings awesome. in Luxor, and and yeah, just joining some dots with ancient technologies and what I do in the lab with music and sound and frequency and vibration. And I think there is a lot to be learned from the Egyptians and the Mayans and other cultures yes. that have. Known yeah. the power of acoustics and psychoacoustics to change um, spiritual consciousness or states of, of mind and being, and it, the more we learn about these, the more we can apply that, measure it, and create content that delivers similar kind of experiences. So that's sort of where I am at I the mean, moment. It, it, it- yeah, I mean, all of these ancient technologies, and it's like, like you say, which come from different parts of the world or information, or, you know, when we did a lot of work with um, the wisdom keepers, where we had indigenous tribes who came from all over the world, 40 different indigenous tribes. 
And um, this was many years ago as well, around six, six years ago. But the messages were always the same. And it's, uh, you, you know, even though they've, they, even though it's a different language, but it's the same message as well. And, and to, you know, find that connection, which is, you know, although it, it's mind blowing, but also, yeah, it's, it's so exciting as well that, um, to know that in different parts of the earth, there were, that, that these, these ancient technologies were being downloaded. I would guess, guess you could describe it as being downloaded and, uh, what an exciting mission to be on right now. See, that's the thing, isn't it, Tom? Bleak times, but really exciting times as well. Oh, completely. I mean, you know, mm. if I was to sort of summarize, my mission at the moment is transform suffering, pain, anxiety, depression, sleep problems, lack of productivity, unhappiness, using the gift of sound and music that intuitively, you know, I can do this, but I want to learn more and I want to learn from other cultures and I want to apply everything that I'm learning to useful tools to help us get through life whether it's to help you wake up, to help you get to work, to help you be more productive, to reduce stress when things are getting a bit out of control, and then to help you wind down to sleep at night. You know, music has a great role in, in soundtracking these micro moments of the day. And I think you know, combining that with breath work, so with the, the um, silent mode breathonics um, project, that's been wonderful, You know, understanding that um, the beauty of, of, of breathwork patterns. So um, myself and, and yeah. Stu, who you know, Stu Sanderman, BreathPod, yeah. um, we've created these um, uh, combinations of breathing patterns with music. And it's music that we can relate to. So it could be hip hop, drum and bass, house music, mm. you know, music that's, that's generically speaking accessible to everyone. And you breathe along with this and you can deliver the sort of state change and give you more energy, a power up or power down. It'll help you relax, nap, sleep. And I think you know the work that you're doing and other breath workers um, I admire so much because it's the most elegantly simple tool we have. You know, effectively within 30 seconds. I remember Wanderlust this um, this summer was lovely. Um, uh, you know, Richie, uh, the breath guy. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was just talking um, about you know how quick and effective breath work is. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's what, four or five minutes, and we can change it. He said, no, no, no. It's 30 seconds. Like, what well, would you like to give an example? I said, right, deep breath in through the nose, fill the diaphragm, and a big sigh out through the mouth. <sighs> wow. We did that a couple of times. I mean, isn't that amazing mm -hmm. that within 30 seconds you can transform your state? 30 seconds. Yeah. It's not even five minutes. It's not that, an hour. You know, sometimes we're so time it. poor, we can't do, we haven't got the opportunity to fit in an hour of a practice, but, you know, to remind ourselves. But, but, but that, also it's just, it's just becoming a way of life. You know, it's just like, it's again, it's just like how we can use, you know, breath in itself. Breath work is a technology as well that we have. And it's like, you know, really like a Swiss army knife that we have. It has, it's a multifaceted tool and we can use it all day long just to change our states, to change the way we feel, to change the way we think. And, and, and it's the more that you're attuned to it and the more that you practice it, then the easier it is to change those states. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's just about, it's, Sometimes it's like, well, I haven't got an hour, or I haven't got 10 minutes, or I haven't got, you know, time to go to um, a, a breath workshop today. But but actually, you don't need to if you're just aware of your breath and if you're working with it every day. And it's not necessarily a one size fits all as well. It's just about 
learning how to play with it. So I just want to say thank you, Tom, for everything that you're doing, because it's just, yeah, it's so such, such important work. And um, yeah, and I'm really, you know, all of the the work that you've been putting into it. And and I love the the um the the soundscapes, the sleep, um, the sleep album, and I'm really, really excited to to hear about this, um, these new projects that you've been working on as well. Um, and your album, what was your album called again? The, it's called um, uh, so the, the new one. album, which, which just for, for clarity, it's an artist album. Mm. So this has kind of been my dream for a while now. I, I started it in 2011. Mm. Um, the project's called Galactic Communication, G-Com, G-C-O-M. And the album's called E2XO, mm. which is Earth to Exoplanet. And in a nutshell, it's a soundtrack to mankind's, um, let's say, vision of, of finding an Earth 2.0, a habitable exoplanet. But at the same time, it's really a journey inwards whilst we're looking outwards. And the journey inwards is to identify the fact that we've got to be better planetary stewards to care more for ourselves, for others, and for the planet, and to waste less. So the album is a bit of a kind of, yeah. you know, it's a metaphor, it's a message to, to to allow people to kind of, you know, journey outwards, but at the same time, just remind themselves to, to look inwards and to be uh, more responsible caring kind human beings on the planet that we've got the gift of the earth that's around us and not to take it for granted and not to take you know each other for granted so yeah that's that's Mm. that project yeah beautiful well we're gonna have to catch up more definitely offline and not leave it for quite as long as we we have this time um but yeah i just want to say thank you so much and uh, i'll be sharing i'll be sharing a little sleeping exercise as well breath exercise that will be accompanying this podcast as well so thank you so much so that's all we have time for this week on the and breathe podcast thank you so much for listening and i really hoped you enjoyed it i would love to hear from you and get your thoughts on the episode so please do comment and rate wherever you listen to your podcasts and don't forget to follow the show as well You've been listening to the And Breathe podcast presented by me, Rebecca Dennis, and produced by One Fine Play. For more breathing tips and advice, please go to www.breathingtree.co.uk. You can also find me on Instagram at breathing.tree. There's lots of free information, books, offerings, workshops, retreats to empower you with your breath. Every day we can change our state of being and every breath is an opportunity to live this life fully and be present in every moment. So always remember to be kind, be present, and breathe.